You want to open your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles twenty. Second Chronicles chapter twenty. Kind of mark it there. We'll get there in just a minute. Last week we kind of started talking about worship is, and so we want to we're going to continue on with that uh, this week. For those that weren't there here last week, which is most of you, <laughs> the ones that were here last week aren't here this week. So flip flopping here a little bit. Uh, last week we went to Isaiah six. We talked about worship starts with a revelation. When you have a revelation first of who God is, that moves you to worship. If you don't worship with passion, you don't know God very well. That's, that's, there, that's the problem. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to work it up. Don't make it happen. Don't fake it. But you just need to get to know God better. You need a greater revelation of God. The greater the revelation you have, the greater your worship is. The more you're moved to, with passion, the more you're moved with desire, the more you're moved with praise, the more you're moved with love. If you don't have that, you just don't know God very well. And I'm not talking about even singing on Sunday. That certainly includes it. But think of your life. So worship starts with a revelation. Revelation led to a confession. There's a confession on Isaiah's part. That confession, woe is me, led to a remission, a removal of his sin. Touching the altar, God says, hey, that's not who you are. I'm going to change that. Look, you're clean. You're not, you don't have to stay as the woe is me. You're clean now. This has touched your lips. And from that remission came a commission. Where God said, who's going to go? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And we talked about last week, hey, what's, what's your commission from God? What has God called you to do? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Has he called you just to make it through life? Has he called you just to survive? No. What, what is your mission on this earth? Why has not God not killed you yet? Okay. He doesn't kill us, I understand that, but, I mean, why, why are you, you know, heaven would be better. Paul says it's better to be in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> so why are you still here? So that was a commission, and Isaiah had a specific commission from God, and it was for a certain season. So sometimes those change. So that's what we talked about last week. Revelation, getting a revelation of God. Seek God till you know Him better. If you don't know Him very well, get to know Him. Get to know how good He is. Get to know how amazing He is. You'll be moved to worship. It's not a religious thing. It's not a thing you have to work up. If you have to try to worship God, then you don't know Him very well because you're trying to do it in your own strength. When you have an encounter with God, you worship. When you know God, you worship. When He touches you with His love, you worship. When He speaks to you, you're like, wow. When He does something in your life, when He shows Himself strong, you worship. doesn't mean you break out in a worship song, but your, your heart is moved. Heart, your heart is where worship begins. It flows from that. I even have this question this week. How do you worship God apart from Sunday or church gatherings? How do you worship God on Monday and Tuesday? When, on, if, you come on, if you don't come to church on Wednesday, how do you do it on Wednesday? Because we also talked about Romans chapter 12 says we're a living sacrifice. In other words, there's a, you know, normally the sacrifices die. But we're an oxymoron. We're a living sacrifice. We're sacrificed as being sacrificed, but we're still alive. So it's an ongoing thing. It's eternal. It, it doesn't go out. So my life is lived for Him. That I am living from the place of worship. 
Because I know who God is and I know who I am. When I know those two things, I move to worship and I live from who He has made me to be and from His power and grace and I move with love for Him and for others. That's a living sacrifice. So how do you worship? Think about that. How do you, how do you worship? At, I mean, when I say worship, most of us, we think of singing on Sunday, worship times. And that's, that's part of it. I'm not saying... I love that. It's, it's important. When we get a glimpse of heaven in the Bible... People are singing and praising and lifting their hands and falling down on their faces and crying out. It's usually loud. It's usually passionate. It's very demonstrative. Whatever demonstrative for you is, this might be demonstrative, okay? I don't know. We're all different, right? For some of us, it's like this. You know, I'm going crazy. <laughs> I won't point to any people that sit near the front, okay? <clears throat> but uh, how do, there's other ways to worship God, right? I mean, I think it's great to sing, but how, how, do you, how do you live your life as a worship to God? It's just a good question. I'm not going to have you answer it right now unless you want to. Raise your hand if you want to say something. <clears throat> okay. So, worship is. So we're going to look at worship from Second Chronicles 20. Uh, this is an account of King Jehoshaphat. Just love saying his name. It's just weird. Those names in the Old Testament, this is one of the ones that I said, I'm not naming my kid that, okay? Too much, too much opportunity to get made fun of, I can tell you that. So, but Jehoshaphat was a king and a long, long time ago. So it says, after this, this is verse 1 of Second Chronicles 20, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God. So we're going to read a lot of this here, so fasten your seatbelts. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, and he began to pray. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built... In it, a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Stop there in verse 9. Here's what's happening going on. Look, when you're in a battle, you need to remember the promises of God. That's exactly what Jehoshaphat does right here. He is facing an enemy. He is facing something in his life. And here's what I believe. I believe the the stories in the Old Testament, which really happen, are pictures of what happens spiritually for us as we live our lives. We don't fight wars like they did in the Old Testament as the people of God, but we are in a spiritual battle. 
And when you're in a spiritual battle, what's the first thing? When you have something coming against you in your life, you need to look back at the promises of God. What did Jehoshaphat look at? He looked at two specific promises. Number one, that this was the land that they were promised. God said, hey, this is your place. You're supposed to be here. I gave this to you. So they're kind, trying to come take that away. They're trying to come take the promise away. And number two, he references the promise which was made when Solomon built the temple that said, God, if we turn away from you, but if we turn towards this temple and say, help God, we need you, hear us and save us and heal our land. So he went back to the promises of God. So here's the deal. If you're facing it when... You know, if you're in a battle right now, or the next battle you face, because you're going to face something that's going to be a fight in your life, you need to first turn the promises of God. You need to turn to the promises of God. Get in the Bible and, and start reading the promises of God. Go, you know, there's, if you don't know where the promises of God are in the Bible, go to Mardell and find a little promises book. Talk to Miss Dorothy next week when she's here, or Paul, or Greg, or... Somebody who looks like they know something about the Bible. Ronnie and Carlene talk to one of our leaders and says, where are some of the promises? But find the promises and begin to read them because those promises are yes and amen in what? In Jesus. He fulfilled everything. And so now the promises of the covenant, the agreement between God and us, the blessings are there. They're yes in Jesus. So if you need to check and see if the promise is for you, you just say... Yep, I got Jesus. Yep, it's for me. Because every promise is true in Christ. Yes. Okay, do you have Jesus? Then you have all the promises are valid for you. Sometimes we also have specific promises that God gave us. Things that God highlighted in our lives that says, hey, this is going to happen in your life. You're going to re remember this. Go back to those things. When you're facing a battle, go back and say, God, I remember when you said this in my life. You said you called me to do this. You said you sent me to do this. You said I was going to have this happen in my life. You were faithful in this area. Go back to those things. Remember the promises in the battle. That's the first thing before you face that battle. So verse 10. That was a free sermon right there. Okay. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not, not, did not destroy them. So they were not a part of the promised land. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. See, he keeps referencing, he's, he's praying from the promise. He's praying from the promise that God gave him. He says, hey, God, this... And it's almost like it's not reminding God. It's probably reminding him. You don't remind God so that he remembers. You remind God so that you remember. <laughs> he already remembers. <laughs> he, know, he knows what he's already said. So, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army, or some translations say this horde that has come against us. It's attacking us. We don't know what to do. But look, but our eyes are upon you. I love that part. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to have our eyes on him. Are your eyes on him when you're facing something? So it says in verse 13, All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Here's the deal. This is another free sermon. Worship is a family affair. Worship is a family experience. Look at that. It says the whole family was there before God. You know, there's something powerful that happens when you initiate worship in your family. You know what? 
And again, that doesn't mean you have to pull out your guitar and play a song, okay? That could be part of it, but worship is anything that honors Jesus, anything that lifts him up, you know? So we're going to talk about a couple different things here, but, you know, it's a family affair, it's a family experience. It says they were there with the whole family. I love that. It says everybody was there. They had the little ones, so there was babies crying, there's all kinds of stuff. As they were seeking God and saying, God, we need you, everybody was there. Verse 14, then, I love, isn't it great that there's thens? Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah. We know where his family he came from. A Levite and descended of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen. So he's speaking for God. It's a prophecy. It's a prophetic word. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army or this horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. That's a good reminder for us. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. So he gives them some strategy right there. He reveals some things that they didn't know. Uh, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. They did need to be in the right place, so. Take up your positions. You've got to have yourself in the right place. Are you positioned where God has put you? Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. What happens right there? There's a revelation. They, God's heart for them is revealed. He says, look, I'm not going to let you know, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm with you and I'm going to fight for you. So there's a revelation of who God is, that God is the one who stands up for his people. What does it do to them? They go, boom, they fall down in worship. Because when you have a revelation of who God is and what he's doing, you worship. So then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So they were passionate. They were, they were intense. They were going for it in response to the revelation of God's heart for them, in response to what God was going to do, in response to him saying, I've got power that you don't know about. Early in the morning... They left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. In other words, the word that he spoke, you've got to trust what God has said. After consulting the people... Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His chesed love endures forever. His faithful love, His steadfast love, His loving kindness, His goodness, His mercy endures forever. As they begin to sing and praise, as they begin, when they begin to sing and praise... The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. 
When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. They found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, the valley of blessing, where they praised the Lord. They named that valley. This is why it's called the valley of Barakah. To, to this day, I'm not exactly sure how you say that. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem, went to the temple of the Lord. Look, what did they do? They, start, they were worshiping and they get back and they're worshiping. They went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. And the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms and countries around them when they heard the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Woo! Okay. I need to take a deep breath after that because that's 30 verses right there. But what, it's an amazing story, amazing account. Uh, there's a really old song that always plays in my head every time I read this scripture by Don Francisco. Uh, if some of you are old as well... Um, You'll remember that song to start. Praise ye the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. Some of you who are young are going, boy, that's really lame <coughs> sounding song. So uh, it's, it's cheesy sounding, but it's a great truth. This story is an awesome account of God's power. But it's also an awesome account of worship. Worship is number one, obedience. Worship is obedience. Here's the deal. We can sing hallelujah on Sunday, but if on Monday I'm not obeying God, I'm not a worshiper. What does it say? God says, hey, you need to do this stuff. You need to go out. They had to, they had to walk in obedience. I mean, it didn't just say... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this and you stay here. No, God said specifically, you go stand in this position, you do this. And here's what happens. In their obedience, they even got creative. What do I mean by that? God didn't tell them to sing. He didn't tell them to sing. I've never noticed that before. I've read this story so many times. I've never noticed it before. But God doesn't tell them to send the priest first and start singing. They do that on their own in obedience to God. They're like, hey, when you're obeying God, the next step becomes clear. It's obvious. It's like, hey, when God says you need to do this, and there's things that God is telling us all the time that we know we're supposed to be doing. We need to obey that. That's a, that's a living sacrifice. That's an offering to the Lord. How can, you, how can you worship God on Tuesday? Obey Him. Do what He's already told you to do. If you're not going to do what he says, then your songs don't matter. I mean, that's the problem with the people in the Old Testament. They just didn't get it. It was from the heart. It was like, hey, look, you know, you can do all the sacrifices. You know, to me, the sacrifices in the Old Testament are kind of like us singing worship songs now. You can do all the sacrifices, but if your heart is not in it, I don't want those sacrifices. I want your heart. I, I want your I want your passion. I want your desire. And if God doesn't have that, it's not worship. So worship is obedience. They had to obey God. That was their, their first step into worship. And then the next step became clear. Just, they just continued on the worship and said, we're going to sing a song now. 
And that song, as I said earlier, that's a song of his covenant love. They, you know, there's, there's several places where this song just shows up where they just said, give thanks to the Lord for his hesed endures forever. His covenant love, his steadfast love, his faithful love, his mercy, his loving kindness, his goodness. That's what the word means. But they would sing this song. You know, it was like the, it was like the song of the covenant. It was like the song of love. You know, they're singing, and it's about the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the, the wonder of God, the persistence of God, the, the faithfulness of God. You know, when they sang that song at a different time, it says that the temple, when they, when they dedicated the temple, it says that the power of God came so strongly that nobody could stand up, that everybody just was laying on the ground from the presence of God. But what song were they singing? They sang the covenant song. They were singing about God's chesed love. You know, what moves God's heart? That moves God's heart when we sing about His covenant love. Because that's what He's about. When God has, when God has your heart, it's moved to worship and it's moved to obey. You know, they were singing. Think about this. The song they began to sing was actually a song of, of faith and declaration. Because they were singing about who God is and what He does. In other words, His power to do what He says and His faithfulness to carry it out. So they're singing the song was an act of faith. Sometimes our worship is an act of faith. Worship is an act of faith. It's not just obedience. Worship is an act of faith. There's times when you need to say, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm just going to honor you. I don't feel it. I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't, it it's not, I'm not having fun right now. My life is not the way I want it to be. But I'm going to honor you. A great place to start is just to begin to pour out praise from your heart. Whether that's in a song, whether that's just you being quiet before God and you're just moved in your heart and, and begin to be moved with His His Love for Him because of His love. You know, it's an act of faith. Sometimes to praise God in the midst of our lives, the things that are going on, that's an act of faith. That's a huge act of faith to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship You because I know You're faithful. I know You're the God that comes through. I know that You're the God that never lets go. I know You're the God that's promised all this stuff. That I'm, You're the God that, that is stronger than my battle. Okay, here's the third thing. We're getting this, getting through this quickly here. Number three, worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. It's spiritual warfare. You know, in the Old Testament, I had a, I had a, I had a teacher in 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 Bible college. I don't re, I. I I didn't go to Bible college, uh, not a long, I went to, I'm old, okay, it was a long time ago when I went to Bible college, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like 20 years ago, okay, but I, I, have, I don't remember much about Bible college. I mean, think of, some of you are like, I don't even remember that I went to school, so some of you are like, I don't even think I went, <laughs> it's been so long, right? Right? <laughs> 
But I remember going. I don't remember much of what I learned. I can't remember much of the classes. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe there's some of that information there. But we don't remember all the details of that stuff. But I was in one class, and it was by Pastor Dan Stewart. And he drilled something into our heads so much, it was a class called Hebrew Prophets. Okay, What Hebrew Prophets are is the book of Judges through uh, like the Kings. Like that section of the Bible. So from like Judges and uh, First and Second Samuel, that kind of stuff. So that, that era, uh, and he said, he said something that I'll never forget. He said, the Old Testament, if you boil it down, is about two things. So here you can learn the whole Old Testament today. Land and worship. Land and worship. In the Old Testament... Look, start reading the Bible story, see what's going on, you'll see land and worship going on all the time. And also, here's another freebie, everything important happens under a tree. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Read your Old Testament, see how many times it says, and they were under the tamarisk tree, and they were under this tree. You're like, oh my goodness, that is there. Okay, land and worship. When the people of God came into the promised land it, they worshiped right but it was it was about them taking the land but what was also happening in the land was the worship was being changed land and worship that's exactly everything that's going on is land and worship because there was a battle going on wherever the people of god were they were trying to take the land but the people of the land, what happened was they wanted their worship to stay in the land. And when their worship stayed in the land, then God's people were affected because they weren't able to keep the land. Because they allowed the worship of people who were not worshiping God. They were worshiping other things like Baal and Ashtoreth and all these different demonic forces, basically. Um, they were idols, but they had the power of demons behind them and you know, they drew their hearts away from the one true God. So when our, wherever our hearts are drawn to, that's worship. That's a freebie right there. But here's the deal. See, there's warfare and worship. See, the Old Testament was a picture in the physical of what goes on in the spiritual. So there's, in the spiritual, there's ground that we take spiritually... And how does that happen? Many times it's with the worship of God's people. Again, I'm not just talking about songs. I'm, I am including songs because I believe there's something powerful that happens when the people of God, especially together, when we, when we worship God together, there's the, it says that God comes and sits down on our praises. He enthrones himself on our praises. And then there's authority. There's things that happen that are released. So it's, it's warfare. If you're in a battle spiritually... You need some kind of worship warfare going on in your life. Now, you've got to take that first step. If you're not walking in obedience to God, then your, your worship is not going to really be there because there's no worship coming because you're not in obedience. But if you're in obedience to God, then begin to lift up whatever is coming from your heart. Because at that point, you're living in obedience. God's going to move on your heart by the Holy Spirit. There's going to be something that comes forth just like them. They were moved by the Spirit. There was something in them. It says, Jehoshaphat talked with all the people. And then they decided to sing. And it says, as they begin to sing, when they begin to sing, the moment they begin to sing, the Lord threw the enemy into confusion. 
You know how many times in the Old Testament it says people like start fighting each other and killing each other? I mean, that's not normal. So whenever you get in a situation where the people of God, they start fighting each other, devouring each other, you know what? They're not in God's camp anymore because that only happened in the enemy's camp. That's why we don't want to, we don't, we don't have that in our church. I'm, praise the Lord. We're not biting each other. We're not coming at each other. We're not talking about each other. You know, but that, that's a sign of the camp of the enemy. The camp of God, what's going on in the camp of God? Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Their eyes are on Jesus. Their eyes are on the Lord at that point. They're remembering the promises. And they're worshiping God with something spontaneous from their heart. That releases victory in my life. However you worship. Sometimes I worship by praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. You know what? A lot of what praying in tongues is, is just worship to God. So I encourage you. And if you still haven't received your prayer language, then continue to seek God and say, God, I'm open to that. I'm open to that being released in my life. If you have it, use it. If you have it, use it. If you have that gift, use that every day. That's part of my worship is to pray in the Spirit. Because what happens when I worship... I'm in the right place. And God does His thing. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle in my life still belongs to the Lord. I don't have to, I don't have to make that happen. Sometimes I have to take hold of victory, but it's His victory that I'm taking hold of. Everything we face as a believer, we already have the victory. We already have the victory. First John wanted to say, this is our victory, even our faith. It comes as we believe that we have the victory. We trust that I have the victory. Trust that this thing, is, I'm going to, this thing is going to be seen through. I'm going to see God. I'm going to see the power of God manifest in my life. You know what? I want to live like that more. I want to, I want to see that more. I'm asking God to help me get out of my comfort zone or get out of my routine. Because sometimes what our routine gets us stuck in something where... Try something new. Do something different. You know, get with God in a different location. Read a different part of the Bible. Whatever. Sing a different song. Put on a different worship CD. You know, what, whatever it is that you do to get with God, do, change it up sometimes. Don't get stuck. If it's fresh, if it's flowing, if God's speaking to you, if you feel like it's alive and you're full, of, you come out of your time with God full of joy, then great, that's good. But if you come out dry, why am I dry? If I've just met with God, I should not be dry. If I, should, if I come out of meeting with God and I'm still discouraged, then something's, I haven't met with God yet. Because when they met with God here, they came out, they're like, oh yeah, bring it on. We don't even have to fight. We're just, hey, you know what, let's just sing a song. I'm just going to worship God. Maybe it's not singing for you, maybe it's just living. You wake up every day and say, God, this day is for you. I'm doing this for you. There's a consciousness in your worship that says, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm loving my kids for you. I'm, I'm doing this job for you. And that's what it says in the New Testament. Do everything as if you're giving thanks to Jesus. Man, Jesus, I'm going to honor you today when I step into my workplace. I'm going to honor you. 
Be, be worshipped. Be magnified. When I, when I go to work, be honored. So worship, obedience, warfare, and takes faith. It's a step of faith sometimes to worship. So here's how I, how I want to close. I want us to close because I want to agree, first of all, I want us to remember the promises of God. So I want you to right now just just turn just quiet yourself and think of any any promise of God. Think of the promises of God that He's given to you personally, or maybe it's just scripture that, that comes up in your heart. What is the promise of God that you are holding on to right now? Promise might be greater seed is in me than he that's in the world. It might be I will never leave you nor forsake you. It might be that, uh, you know, I'm a, more than a conqueror through God who loves me. It might be the promise of his love, that his love endures forever. It might be something God spoke to you. Five minutes ago or 20 years ago. The promise of God. Holy Spirit, stir up those promises in us, we pray. Remind us of them. Let us have them on our hearts and minds as we live our lives. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You're remembering your promise. You haven't forgotten. Help us remember. Here's the other thing I want to do. I want, to, I want us to just agree together. If anybody's in any kind of battle uh, in their life, it could be a relational battle, it could be a physical battle with sickness, it could be a, just a spiritual battle. You're just, you just feel like you're wrestling. You might be wrestling discouragement. You might be wrestling depression. You might be wrestling apathy. You might be wrestling fear. That's a, that's a battle. You might be wrestling doubt. Uh, you might be in a situation where you're just in a battle at your job maybe it's a battle financially whatever it is we want to come into agreement and just declare the greatness of god declare the goodness of god over these over these battles and believe that the battle belongs to the lord but come alongside you in agreement so if that's you i just want you to lift your hand say i'm in a battle i need somebody to agree with me this morning uh before we go so there's one there's two anybody else anybody else you're in a battle. There's there's one. One more. Anybody else? You guys here. Alright, can we can we lay hands on y'all? If you open your eyes. Um, just right here, this row, Jackie and Greg and Dan and Saul. Can we gather Saul's gonna be going back to school right now. It'd be great to we'd love to pray for you as you go for that second year as well. Let's just move around. Let's just let's just agree. We're, we're just declaring the goodness of God and believing for strength in the battle, believing for encouragement. We're just releasing the power and presence of God right now upon these lives. Thank you, Lord.